Welcome one, welcome all to the Simple Politics Podcast. I'm your host and political robot, Kobe Omanaka. And as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts and political armadas, oh. Diane and Tatten. Oh. How are you guys doing? I think we're going to go Titanic there. I thought we are going full Titanic. Um, I thought I'd give you a few more in your fleet and also not be susceptible to uh, icebergs. Yes, that's very true. I I was thinking you were going to go for one of those big Virgin Holidays super cruisers I've seen advertised where you're not allowed to bring kids and um, they sound brilliant. (laughs) Do they? I (laughs) just... Just leave them at the door, do you? Leave them I, I on guess the, so. Leave them at the port. <laughs> they must have thought of Don't that. The water, no, there's kids. a crash. There's a crash on the bottom level, the very bottom of the ship. <laughs> no sunlight for you guys. But yeah. Um, how have you guys been the past week? Has the cricket been entertaining you? Has there been any cricket? I don't watch cricket, you can tell. There's been Wimbledon. There really has been cricket. <laughs> I mean, like, no, who cares about Wimbledon? Wimbledon, like... The BBC keep banging on about it when they can talk about that. And uh, like, but with no British players, mm. no one cares. <laughs> and it's a bit dull. Do you care? You watch yeah, it? Yeah, I watch the finals. Right. Yeah, so that's, had- I mean, you don't <laughs> care. That's a, that's, a sat- that's a weekend's pleasant afternoon. That's not caring. <laughs> Fair enough. But for the majority of Wimbledon, I guess with the recency bias around Andy Murray and uh, Emma Raducanu, have you forgotten how much there was so little in the way of um, progression for British this, tennis players in, in Wimbledon? Tim Henman yeah, got he to, right. like, the second week, like, Most times. quite a lot. And yeah. that was just someone for us to root for. Yeah. And now we've got we've got no one, we've got no figure. Emma Raducanu's always never turned up at Wimbledon. I mean, she did win the US Open, which was amazing, but she mm-hmm. never turned up at Wimbledon. And our players have always overachieved at Wimbledon because that's that's our turf, and we've yeah. always done no it. no one likes and grass, apart th- from us. There is no, no one likes grass. Yeah, because no one else in the world has <laughs> yeah. grass courts. Who has? You can only use them for like two weeks <laughs> yeah. a year. They're ludicrous <laughs> things to have. And so only British players have them. We got this advantage. We got the Wimbledon thing. And so... We just end up with people to root for every year. And we don't have that at the moment. There's no one to get behind. So it's just kind of... It's, do you know what? It's all foreigners. Yeah. All of them. Wall to wall foreigners. Do you know what's a shocker, Tatten? You can root for someone not from your country. Mm. I don't understand. <laughs> Some Americans can be quite interesting to root for. Croatians are often mm. quite fun to root for. Sorry, Sorry rooting for Americans. <laughs> we're going to be talking about some american stuff later on in this in this uh, episode but let's go to the main part of the podcast the top posts this is where we review dissect laugh at enjoy the top posts of the week tatson what was it number three uh, in number three, it was mortgages and house pricing and it's all pretty bleak because House prices are falling across the country. Mm. In London, in the southeast, they're falling the biggest by like 3%. And in Scotland, they're just down a little bit. And then a couple of areas are up. But it's listen, it's really hard to get a mortgage. If it's hard to get a mortgage, fewer people are buying houses. Mm. Yeah. What it doesn't mean, the silver lining to this cloud might have been that if houses are a bit cheaper, they're more affordable. Mm. But that 
that that's not the silver line to the cloud because you can't get a mortgage. Yeah. And interest so rates are way higher. The first time buyers can't get the mortgage they need to get on the ladder, even if the houses are slightly I mean, less slightly less expensive. Still incredibly expensive, but slightly less expensive. Um people are really interested in this stuff because because it's it's it shapes your life, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Owning a house, trying to buy a house, renting. So all this stuff, all these figures, people are really interested in. Well, butter and mortgages seem to be the key weather vanes for or indicators as to how the economy affects real people, right? As well as like rental prices. So it's I can understand why there's a lot of a lot of talk about. It. I can understand why this is a popular post of the week, and it will continue to be fascinating. It's something that the news always love to pick on or um, talk about when we hear the. Latest rises, the latest drop-offs, interest rate changes. Well, it's all it's all you know, manna from heaven for as far as these guys are concerned. Mm, absolutely. I mean, you know, people love right move even when they've got no inclination, or you know, <laughs> it, it's still a very popular website even when people aren't moving house. You know, people just like to keep yeah. their finger on the pulse and this sort of thing. Diane, what was the second most popular post? Okay, second most popular post was a quote um, by the. The, the very funny and very tall Richard Osman. Now, he was talking on Twitter about the planned closure of a lot of England's railway ticket offices, which is something the Real Delivery Group set out last week. They're consulting on it at the minute, but their plans are within three years to close the majority of ticket offices. They're not talking about sacking staff at the minute. They're talking about changing where the staff are. So they're not in a permanent location, but they're kind of um, milling about on the concourse. Um, that's what they say. But it raises a number of problems for a few groups, particularly um those who need um, disabled access or um, radar keys for toilets. Um, you know, they're used to staff being in a fixed location that they can go to. There's also, mm. I've heard on the radio this week, a lot of people who still deal in cash um, that you forget about, um, but people want to yeah. potentially buy a ticket in cash. And they're saying if someone's on a concourse at night, they're not going to have a bum bag full of cash and change, are they? I, I don't know, a few things to to work out on that. But Richard Osman has said, and I love this because it's a bit SP, there's a choice you make about this. You lay out how you want society to be, right? And it might not be the most efficient way to do things and it might actually cost money, but having a human interaction is a choice you make. It's not an efficient way to run your company, but it might be a, a nicer way, some people might say, and that's what he would say. And having re- I've read his books, and it's very much the kind of picture of life he paints in his books. They're all very, very nice, you know, all people solving crimes, ticket offices. It's just, I think, the, the world he wants to create. Murder. Yes, but in a nice way. <laughs> huh? A cuddly murder. You know, kind of like <laughs> m- midsummer. I like a cuddly you know, murder. Yes. Um, what was the top post this week? The top post this week, I mean, is actually about being being cuddly or, or not. So young people coming on a boat, you don't have to say small boat anymore, it's just the boats. Um, coming on the boats, uh, they arrive in Kent and they get taken to um, like an asylum centre. Uh, and on the wall of this asylum centre in Kent, there were paintings of Disney characters. 
because that's you know that's what you put on like children's center walls mm-hmm. and um the immigration minister robert jenrick told him to take it down and paint over it because it's too welcoming and we're trying to make it kind of a hostile environment it's the term that's been used in the past we don't want to make it nice because we want people not to want to come here so get it down and the staff refused to do that <laughs> and then they had to get contractors in to do to take it down and then lots of Offers to were made by all kinds of different famous cartoonists that I'm going to come and sort it. I'm going to come put put it back up. And I think one one was saying that I'll put it back up, and if anyone paints over it, I'll go back and put it up again the next day. I will go all the time to get this up there. Mm. And all kinds of people came out and condemned it, like it, it because it's just mean. I mean, Stephen Kinnock on the Post, Stephen Kinnock from from Labour said that that all the government have left is tough talk and cruel and callous policies it's certainly a policy that looks cruel now since this post has been a development generic has said that it wasn't anything to do with being welcoming or not um in fact it was because most of the young people coming through are teenagers and teenagers are too old for <laughs> baloo from the jungle book and for mickey mouse and so that's why he painted over it. And it j- listen, I don't like this. I don't like this story for lots of reasons. But I particularly don't like it because he just looks really shifty. Of course it's not because they weren't age appropriate. Nobody believes that. Yeah. Nobody believes that the minister, the government minister is managing what's on the walls... And trying to really kind of make it age age appropriate for the different people. So it just puts everybody in a difficult situation. Uh, Conservative MPs now doing the media rounds kind of have to back him having said that. Even though no one believes it's true. And that kind of dishonesty... And it's not just this does not just happen to the Conservative Party. I think I think Keir Starmer's often a little bit dishonest when he talks about what his past policies were and what he believes now and why yep. he's changed them and all that kind of thing. It is not a party political point. But if he made a mistake or if he did it or without thinking, or for whatever reason he decided that that needed to happen, it wasn't because it's not age appropriate for the teenagers. That's an absurd and ludicrous thing to claim. And when he tries to cover his own back, it's like the cover-ups are what always gets you, right? Mm. When you try and cover your own back, it does the whole of politics a disservice. What kind of comments were we getting from this? Because imagine, I mean, my, my initial knee-jerk thought is, why are you even thinking about this? There's, there's bigger fish to fry. You, you are just being, you're trying to just, Turn the screw, really, aren't you? The comments were just outrage. I mean, there's just it's it's outrageous. The whole thing. It is. Mm. I mean, Kinnock said it's cruel. I don't think there's anybody who. I saw. I saw someone else saying saying today, like nobody does or doesn't come across the channel because there might be a Disney painting on a wall. That's not a pull factor. No, it's not. Mm. No one goes, oh, if I go there, it's going to be great because I can see Baloo from the Jungle Book. 
like, so the comments were outraged. The comments were all like that kind of thing. And it just, so one reason why people say, say it happened is that Jenrick wants to be Home Secretary, is that he is trying to position himself as the um, as more Suella Braverman than Suella Braverman, mm. right? Okay. Taking the tough decisions, taking the tough decisions that we need to take to stop this problem. And in stopping this problem, we are stopping young people being trafficked across the channel. If we can stop people being trafficked across the channel, then we are doing them a great service and we are saving lives and we are doing people good. So at this end, we need to do anything we can to make it less welcoming, to make them not want to come here. And it's that kind of tough thinking and tough talk that one part of the Conservative Party really loves that we're, I think it's just movements and, and, and jockeying for position, partly. And maybe it's ideological too. Maybe he really does believe that's, that's the best way to help these people is to stop them from coming. Because crossing the channel is rubbish to do and it's dangerous and it's awful. So maybe he maybe you know get to give him fan, give him fairness is that what you can give him um to be fair to him it might just it might genuinely be ideological we've got to make it so people don't want to come and even if this is a tiny bit they phone home and say they you know they text someone and say do you know what it's really nice here there's baloo from the jungle book on the wall you should come maybe that's what he thinks the um i mean going back to richard osman there's a there's a choice you can make here, isn't there? And I think a well, lot of people aren't a fan of his no. choice. Yeah, yes and no, Kobe. I'm gonna I'm gonna come full full behind Jemrick on this. If you believe that our number one job is is to stop the boats, right? To cut, use that phrase, stop the boats. If you believe that that is the best thing for our country, and and it's also the best thing to stop the people traffickers and it's also the best thing to safeguard people if you believe that we need to make people not want to come here as well as stopping people come here because that's going to stop the boats and that's really important then maybe making conditions you know they didn't have food taken away from them i don't know how great the quality in fact i do know that the quality of food is pretty terrible that they get given, but they weren't. They were still having their basic needs met, but they're also going to contact home and say it's not a great place. That's the reason. And yes, it is a choice. It is a choice. But if you say we're going to welcome them and we're going to put more money in supporting them, we're going to give them a better time, then they will tell people that they've been treated well. And they will tell people to come, come, come. This is good. Mm. You can't have it both ways. So that's your choice. It's not the choice of doing everything you can to stop the, the boats and then giving them quite a nice, you know, making it all, all lovely. That you, can't, you can't have both those at the same time. Your choice is to continue to, to welcome people from the boats with open arms and, and encourage them, which it undeniably does, or be really harsh 
and don't encourage them. I don't think that they are separate. I think you can believe all those things. I think you can believe in the right thing to do is stop people coming on boats and still not want to remove murals in a children's centre because those children aren't making the decisions to travel. Those children aren't the ones making these decisions. And I think they can coexist. But who is? But who is? Who is making the decisions? If it's not if it's not the young people themselves, who is making those decisions? Families, parents. Okay. Mm-hmm. And families and parents want it to be lovely where they're sending their child. They want it to be the best possible place. They want it to be better than the life they've got. Yeah, I mean, of course. Like, this is the tragedy. This is the tragedy of all of this. And this is why none of this solves solves anything, whether they come here or not come here. So a huge proportion of these people are fleeing terrible, terrible things. And we need to look after them the best we can, not just, uh, you know, in a detention centre in Kent, but as a global effort. Mm. Mm. Agree. And that's how we solve the problem. Let's head to the second part of the podcast. That's the mailbag. That's where we hand over to you guys <laughs> on threads. What? People on threads? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they get to oh, ask the questions. Pretty, so we've got pretty a few. Big. Go on, Diane. You take, you take this. We got, we got loads. We got absolutely loads, Kobe. Threads is just, yeah, it's going off. They're very inquisitive on very threads. Very inquisitive. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good. Um, so, yeah, we got absolutely tons. We'll do a few quick fire. If you think we're kind of, you know, done or over time, Cobes, just give us a shot. But we'll get through a few. Okay. I will, we can do I quick will. fire questions. No worries. As long as Let's they're do. really short and easy. Okay. okay? <laughs> I mean, I, I, can, I can see four questions here. I'm not sure if any of them are short and easy, but let's have a go. I'm going to do yeah. the uh, countdown <laughs> timer. Amazing. Brilliant. And. So, the, uh, I mean, first question-wise, we got we got quite a few of the same, to be honest. So that's why I've not specifically named people, because there is a lot of people who asked the same thing. Um, and it was all about the NHS and the future of the NHS. So I'm paraphrasing here, but a lot of them asked, would privatising the NHS ever work? And is that the government's plan? Tutton, go. Okay, so privatizing the NHS is a really confusing term because what generally it talks about is private companies delivering NHS work, right? Like when you have your bins taken out, they're probably taken out by Serco or someone like that, but it's still the council who are in charge of take of the bins. So um, privatizing the NHS has come in, kind of the Labour Party started bringing it in in, um, in 1997. Uh, and, and, and it does more and more. We get more and more private firms delivering things. The catering in hospitals, for example, is always outsourced these days. And outsourcing is privatising. The porters are often employed by a private organisation rather than the NHS hospital itself. What the optimum level of private involvement is... It's very hard to say. The government are not talking about rolling that plan out any further. There, there are all kinds of suggestions that the NHS is being run down so that they can sell it off, and that is just nonsense. We haven't got time to get into that. That is 100% not happening. Um, so the plan isn't to privatise more than it has, um, and by privatise, it doesn't mean your hospital will be run by Virgin 
the NHS will continue. And that is my timer. Yes. Okay. Number two. Number two. Okay. Um, this is an interesting one. Um, someone asked, again, I'm paraphrasing, how long is too long for one party t- to be in power? Just, I mean, I, I don't think there is a limit. I think that if the people keep wanting that party, they can just keep voting them in. The reality is parties never last for more than 15, 15 years-ish, give or take some years. Um, what, Thatcher was 79 to 90, or, and then Major, 79 to 97. So that's 18 years. Blair was 13 years. With this, you know, so... So there is a natural time limit because things go wrong and you just get annoyed with this one. Mm. This this government, for example, has got a very long way to go to win the next election. Uh, in America, a president can only do two terms. That's eight years. Mm. But the same parties could win the next election and then they did 16 years. So I don't think there is two. I don't think there's any set answer to that. It does feel like 15 years-ish is enough in this country. And I think that can be supported by America where it is unusual for the same party to win again after the eight-year time is up. Number three. Okay, number three. Um, can you talk about any trans transgender laws um, that might be underway or under discussion right now? And go. That's uh, going to be a very short talking about anything there is no there are no transgender laws under discussion um the uh scottish government brought forward the gender reform act gender regulation reform act and that was blocked by uh the uk government that's it right now transgender laws are really controversial and it's much easier rightly or wrongly i suspect probably wrongly for politicians not to touch it with a barge pole. So there's nothing happening right now. Um, I'm sorry yeah, to Yeah, we're still waiting, aren't we? Um, we we did a post on this recently, Tatton, didn't we, a couple of weeks maybe ago, that we're still waiting on a conversion therapy ban that's, again, like you say, yeah, it's been I mean, kicked down the road, hasn't it? So, But, but conversion therapy... It's so obviously so. So there's no, no one. Yeah. Like, there are yeah. quite a few people, again, rightly or wrongly, who believe, uh, like, you know, what, what, what transgender activists might call TERFs or whatever. There's, there are plenty of people who disagree on what transgender rights should be in our country. Conversion therapy, no one disagrees on. So why, why the hell isn't it a yeah. law yet? F- it's five years in the making, isn't it? So... Yeah. Okay, final question, guys. Number four. Okay. Um, not really any context, context given around this question. Just someone asked, how do we fix the education sector? I guess the context is strikes, teacher strikes, etc. And go. Oh, it's, this is the easiest answer to a lot of them. <laughs> and it's the same way as we fix the NHS, and it's the same way as we fix so many other people. Cash. It needs money. If we want good services, which we do, we've got to pay for them. But we don't like borrowing and we don't like paying more tax. And even so, um, the Labour Party are are suggesting to end non-DOM status and to tax private schools, right? And between them, that's going to make about five, six 
billion pounds, right? And the school's budget alone is 60 billion a year. The NHS budget alone is 120 billion, I think. So those two have a 200 billion, roughly, a, a budget. And, and Labour are going to have six, they're going to find six billion a year to help. That, I mean, that's not nothing. That's really not nothing. But oh my God, teachers, we can't find teachers. Teacher, teachers aren't entering the profession. And once they do enter it, they are leaving again. Mm. And TAs can get paid more in Aldi. Yeah. And Aldi now have term time only contracts. So there is no advantage. Like they, to, uh, Aldi are knowingly taking RTAs. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the free market. But they are deliberately making it so it's term time only, so you can you can be with your kids in 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 the holidays, and they and they pay more. So you've got to really blooming love being a TA yeah. and really blooming love being a teacher to stick through it because it's so hard. Like, oh, I've got to finish. No, well, yeah. I, I, no, let me just finish on this. A okay. long time ago, when I was a teacher, in twenty, I was working in a school where everybody in the school got in between seven and half seven, and no one left till after six. Wow! Like it, th those were just the expected hours. Because if you wanted to do the job we wanted to do for the young people in front of us, that is the time that was necessary to mark properly, to prepare lessons properly, to get everything ready. Those were the hours that we needed to do. And I think since then, the paying conditions have got worse. So you're doing those hours for less pay, and it's hard. And people who still do it are bloody brilliant. Yeah, God love them. So the third part of the podcast is the spies on Rishi Sunak's eyes. What's been up to this week, Diane? Okay, uh, right, Rishi this week, um, he's had a really busy international jet set week, um, which, which is what he loves, so he's probably very happy. But on Monday, uh, Joe Biden uh, came to London, and he had a morning with Rishi, and then the afternoon with King Charles. And, you know, the, the photos come through, you see the PA news stuff that comes through. So Rishi and Joe had some tea. It looked very lovely where they were sat outside. Very, very nice. And apparently they spoke a lot about Ukraine. Um, there is no getting away from it that Ukraine is still the biggest topic that is, uh, you know, in terms of international relations at the minute. So, um yeah. But Rishi was very firm because Joe Biden last week said that America had, you know, made a really tough decision, but they would provide the Ukraine with cluster bombs. And Rishi, quite rightly over the weekend, said, we don't really agree with that. Um, we're not up for that, you know, and stood firm on that, even though I, I imagine that was a, a tough thing to say um, to, to Joe Biden. But, but he seemed to do that. Um, then he's off to NATO. And they're going to be talking about Ukraine again. Um, so mm -hmm. <laughs> they're going to be talking about how they provide more protection, money for Ukraine. Um, so again, it's really still dominating the agenda. But Rishi does seem to thrive in these situations. Um, 
Oh, he loves, he it. loves it. Great, great photo ops. He's smiling. He's got his, you know, um, jacket over his shoulder. It, oh, you know, it's great for him. Riding around with no seatbelts. <laughs> it's great for him, uh, it, you know, in terms of what, what he enjoys and is good at. And it gets him away from a lot of domestic issues at home, which if he had been in the Commons this week, would have been talking about the seven MPs who interfered with the Privilege Committee. So he dodged all that and he's been off on his international tour. It's an amazing time, the timing mm. that uh, the government chose to put that debate into the Commons. Yes. That it, like, what a coincidence. Yes. That he wasn't around for it. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Let's head to the crystal ball. This is the final part of the podcast, and we're going to try and anticipate, predict... What's going to happen? What we're going to be talking about in next week's episode, Diane? Well, it's the last week of the Commons before recess, so that's going to be pretty exciting. Um, Tatton no, is way more up on bills than me, but uh, so the the one I know is still lingering to see if it gets finished next week as illegal immigration. But there may be more than that. I'm not sure. There are a couple more than that, but they won't. <clears throat> the leveling up bill. Mm. And the online safety bill, the two big ones, as well as the illegal immigration bill. Those are the three big government bills that almost certainly, I mean, like that, I don't think they're even scheduled mm. to, 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 to get through. In my crystal ball, though, uh, I know that I will be... So next week's podcast is going to be slightly rubbish for two reasons. <laughs> Reason number one is we're going to record it on Thursday morning and because that's when we always record it mm -hmm. and then it'll come out first thing on Friday and you by the time you hear the words you will know who has won the three by-elections yeah. and by time when we say the words mm -hmm. we'll have no idea so it's going to be a slightly interesting timing um, I might announce but all different results <laughs> and then you could kind of edit in <laughs> like you can just kind of do the thing <laughs> um, oh yes, well done, Tan. That was a good prediction, you could say, uh, ignoring all the other ones. Also, next Thursday, it'll also be a terrible podcast next Thursday because it's our last one before a summer break, and I'm just gonna—I think I'm gonna sob all the way through. You're just gonna listen to me weeping next Thursday. That's all you're gonna get um next friday by the time it comes out so uh fans of grown men crying are going to love it um fans of overly emotional pathos big into it fans of intelligent political chat mm, less so so yeah we're gonna, we're gonna be away for a while but not too long um so we still will get a fix and obviously the accounts will still be running now on threads as well as the other standard uh, social media platforms. Um, in that time, we should also remind people that we are doing a live show. Uh, go to the go to the bio uh, to get the links. We're doing it at King's Place in London at King's Cross, two minutes walk from King's Cross Station. So very central, quite easy to get to from anywhere in the country, should you wish to travel. Uh, and also there's a book coming out, which Tatton, you've been uh, recording your voice, your dulcet tones for the audiobook version, I, I believe. 
Yes, the audiobook is in the can, as I believe they say in the industry, because yep. I'm now in the industry. That's how I that's how I roll. That's I have recorded the audiobook. I've written the words. I've said the words. All that stuff is done. It's all ready for you to pre-order now. Links are in the bio. The uh, audiobook is I, I know it's on Audible and Amazon. I don't know what other platforms you can buy audiobooks on. So while the book we are encouraging people to pre-buy, to pre-order from Harbour Books, which is my local independent bookshop, I am having to say Amazon for the audiobook because I just don't know where else I can I can point people. Um, I'd also like to add that King's Place in King's Cross, where we are on the 15th of September... I can do a 90 seconds from King's Cross train station. Okay, okay. So I think Kobe is being pessimistic on your walking <laughs> time frame. I just like to take it easy, you know? It's like it's take it easy. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. And we will see you next week for the final one before the summer break. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for reading. Thank you very much for joining us on Threads. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. You're amazing. Bye. See you later. Bye, bye, bye. You just heard a stripped media production. 